0: Episode 19 Mr. Malfoy's cold grey eyes swept over Mr. Weasley, then up and down the row. Good Lord, Arthur, he said softly, what did you have to sell to get seats in the top box? Surely your house wouldn't have fetched this much. Fudge who wasn't listening, said, "'Lucius has just given a very generous contribution "'to St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical Maladies and Injuries, Arthur. "'He's here as my guest.'" "'How... how nice,' said Mr. Weasley, "'with a very strained smile.'" Mr. Malfoy's eyes had returned to Hermione, who went slightly pink, but stared determinedly back at him, Harry knew exactly what was making Mr. Malfoy's lip curl. The Malfoys prided themselves on being purebloods. In other words, they considered anyone of muggle descent, like Hermione, second class. However, under the gaze of the Minister for Magic, Mr. Malfoy didn't dare say anything. He nodded sneeringly to Mr. Weasley and continued down the line to his seats, Draco shot Harry, Ron, and Hermione one contemptuous look, then settled himself between his mother and father. Slimy gates, Ron muttered, as he, Harry, and Hermione turned to face the pitch again. Next moment, Ludo Bagman had charged into the box. Everyone ready? He said, his round face gleaming like a great excited Edam cheese. Minister, ready to go? Ready good you are, Ludo, said Fudge comfortably. Ludo whipped out his wand, directed it at his own throat, and said, sonorous, and then spoke over the roar of sound that was now filling the pack stadium. His voice echoed over them, booming into every corner of the stand. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome to the final of the 422nd Quidditch World Cup. The spectators screamed and clapped. Thousands of flags waved, adding their discordant national anthems to the racket. The huge blackboard opposite them was wiped clear of its last message. Bertie Bott's every flavor beans, a risk with every mouthful. And now showed Bulgaria zero, Ireland zero. And now, without further ado, allow me to introduce the Bulgarian team mascots. The right-hand side of the stands, which was a solid block of scarlet, roared its approval. I wonder what they've brought, said Mr. Weasley, leaning forward in his seat. Ah, and suddenly whipped off his glasses and polished them hurriedly on his robes. Vila, what are vi But a hundred Vila were now gliding out onto the pitch, and Harry's question was answered for him. Vila were women, the most beautiful women Harry had ever seen. Except that they weren't, well, they couldn't be human. This puzzled Harry for a moment while he tried to guess what exactly they could be. What could make their skin shine moon bright like that? or their white-gold hair fan out behind them without wind. But then the music started, and Harry stopped worrying about them not being human. In fact, he stopped worrying about anything at all. The villa had started to dance, and Harry's mind had gone completely and blissfully blank. All that mattered in the world was that he kept watching the Vila, because if they stopped dancing, terrible things would happen. And as the Vila danced faster and faster, wild, half-formed thoughts started chasing through Harry's dazed mind. He wanted to do something very impressive right now. Jumping from the box into the stadium seemed a good idea, but would it be good enough... Harry, what are you doing? said Hermione's voice from a long way off. The music stopped. Harry blinked. He was standing up and one of his legs was resting on the wall of the box. Next to him, Ron was frozen in an attitude that looked as though he was about to dive from a springboard. Angry yells were filling the stadium. The crowd didn't want the villa to go. Harry was with them. He would, of course, be supporting Bulgaria, and he wondered vaguely why he had a large green shamrock pinned to his chest. Ron, meanwhile, was absent mindedly shredding the shamrocks on his hat. Mr. Weasley, smiling slightly, leant over to Ron and tugged the hat out of his hands. You'll be wanting that, he said, once Ireland have had their say. Huh? said Ron staring open-mouthed at the vela who had now lined up along one side of the pitch. Hermione made a loud, <coughs> tutting noise. She reached up and pulled Harry back into his seat. "'Honestly,' she said. "'And now,' roared Ludo Bagman's voice, "'kindly put your wands in the air for the Irish national team mascots!' Next moment, what seemed to be a great, Green and gold comet had come zooming into the stadium. It did one circuit of the stadium, then split into two smaller comets, each hurtling toward the goalposts. A rainbow arced suddenly across the pitch, connecting the two balls of light. The crowd ooooohed and ahed as though at a firework display. Now the rainbow faded and the balls of light reunited and merged. They had formed a great shimmering shamrock which rose up into the sky and began to soar over the stands. Something like golden rain seemed to be falling from it. Excellent! yelled Ron as the shamrock soared over their heads and heavy gold coins rained from it, bouncing off their heads and seats. Squinting up at the shamrock, Harry realized that it was actually composed of thousands of tiny little bearded men with red waistcoats, each carrying a miniature lamp of gold or green. "'Leprechauns,' said Mr. Weasley, over the tumultuous applause of the crowd, many of whom were still fighting and rummaging around under their chairs to retrieve the gold. "'There you go!' Ron yelled happily, stuffing a fistful of gold coins into Harry's hand. For the ominoculars, now you've got to buy me a Christmas present. Ha! The great shamrock dissolved. The leprechauns drifted down onto the pitch on the opposite side from the villa and settled themselves cross-legged to watch the match. And now, ladies and gentlemen, kindly welcome the Bulgarian National Quidditch team. I give you Dimitrov, a scarlet-clad figure on a broomstick, moving so fast it was blurred, shot out onto the pitch from an entrance far below. To wild applause from the Bulgarian supporters, Ivanova, a second scarlet-robed player zoomed out, Zogrov, Levski, Volkanov, Volkov, and yelled Ron, following Crumb with his binoculars. Harry quickly focused his own. Victor Crumb was thin, dark, and sallow-skinned, with a large curved nose and thick black eyebrows. He looked like an overgrown bird of prey. It was hard to believe he was only 18. And now please greet the Irish National Quidditch team, yelled Bagman, presenting Connolly, Ryan... Troy, Mullet, Moran, Quigley, and Lynch. Seven green blurs swept onto the pitch. Harry spun a small dial on the side of his ominoculars and slowed the players down enough to read the word Firebolt on each of their brooms and see their names embroidered in silver upon their backs. And here, all the way from Egypt, a referee, acclaimed chair wizard of the International Association of Quidditch, Hassan Mustafa, a small and skinny wizard, completely bald with a moustache to rival Uncle Vernon's, wearing robes of pure gold to match the stadium, strode out onto the pitch. A silver whistle was protruding from under the moustache and he was carrying a large wooden crate under one arm and his broomstick under the other. Harry spun the speed dial on his omonoculars back to normal, watching closely as Mustafa mounted his broomstick and kicked the crate open. Four balls burst into the air, the scarlet quaffle, the two black bludgers, and Harry saw it for the briefest moment before it sped out of sight, the minuscule winged golden snitch.